Psalm 85 and verse 6 is a cry from the heart. It's a cry from the heart of the psalmist that the Lord would revive him again. According to some, this word revive, it just simply means to be made alive again, to be caused to live again. It's the recovering of something that is lost. It's the restoring to those as if they were dead. Lord, return again and make us to live again. And 70 years on in the free church, we need to pray that prayer. More than ever, we need to pray it. It's the earnest prayer of those who have known life, but who want to know more of life. They have had seasons of mercy in days gone by, but they're longing for greater seasons of mercy and favor of God in the days that lie ahead. If the church of Jesus Christ does not know revival today, and sadly it doesn't, then there's certainly a revival amongst their enemies. False unbiblical religion flourishes across this nation of ours. There are many spiritual weeds and have spread all over the land. And sadly today, there are many and they don't know the difference between what is true and what is false according to the word of God. The, the forces of darkness, they, they muster their hosts against the church of Christ and against all that is pure, all that is moral, all that is good. And former mercies, former mercies cry, cause us to cry out today for God's reviving in our own souls and across our nation. Dr. John Gill, one of my favorite commentators, he, he believes there is some dispute on this, but he believes this psalm it was generally thought to have been composed after the return of the Jews from their captivity in Babylon. And their, their, their deliverance from captivity, he wrote, must be considered as typical of redemption by Christ. Because in the ancient uh, understanding, this is a, there's a prophecy concerning Christ, Psalm 85. This is Christ's psalm. It speaks of dwelling in the land. It speaks of his salvation being near. It speaks of the glory of all his perfections displayed in it. Uh, and in some parts of the psalm, there's the suggestion of the conversion of the Jews in the latter days. And these words have been long in my mind. Psalm 85 and verse 6. Just those three words in our English translation. Revive us again. May we plead them when we gather publicly. May we plead them when we meet before God privately. And may God do a work in our lives this year. Firstly, notice with me, as we look at this little text, Psalm 85 and verse 6, we'll ask the question, when is this prayer most needed? The prayer itself, I think, gives to us the answer. If something is to be made alive again, to be renewed again, and we talk about renewal in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's suggestive to us that it has lost its former glories. There's some people, they don't like to admit that they're growing older. They don't like to admit that they've lost their former glories. But it's inevitable, brethren and sisters, that youth will give way. And age has to come. 
and sometimes with the giving way of youth and age coming and old age coming. Yes, we do lose our former glories. And if that is true physically, it's also, also true spiritually. And there are many churches and they've lost their former glories. They've gone back on what they once were. And it's very evident when we consider the characteristics of those who have gone back in their walk with God. I was thinking about some of this in the past week. Somebody has gone back in their walk with God. What, what do they look like? What does that look like at the start of 2024? Well, it looks as if someone has grown cold and barren. It's the loss of a first love. We've often referenced those verses in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. That church at Ephesus, Jesus said concerning it, I have somewhat against thee. Not because doctrinally they were wrong, because they were right. But he said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. It's an awful thing when a professing Christian has left their first love. And just like any relationship, when someone leaves their first love, then the communion that they had is marred and it will be eventually destroyed. There are many illustrations of this in the Word of God. What warnings they sound out to us. We read in Luke twenty-two fifty-four about Peter. Here was passionate Peter. Here was a man who was on a fire for God. He was ready to do anything for God, follow through with the Lord anywhere he wanted him to go to. But we read that they took him, that is Jesus, and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And where was Peter? He was still following, but it says in Luke chapter twenty-two fifty-four, he was following afar off. And I want to ask you at the start of this new year, can the Lord Jesus see you today as Peter was spotted following afar off in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Following afar off. How, how does that spiritually work out? Well, I'll tell you how it works out. The Bible is left to the side for one week and then it's left to the side for two weeks. The prayer meeting is forgotten about for one week and then it's forgotten about for two, three, four weeks and then it's just neglected totally. That's following afar off. And those who follow afar off, coldness results and they turn back. They turn back. We read of the, the children of Ephraim three times over in Psalm 80, in Psalm 78, verse 9, verse 41, verse 57. They turned back, they turned back, they turned back. And it seems to me today that there are those who once walked well with the Lord that they've turned back. That close walk that they once had is no longer because they've allowed that communion and fellowship to grow cold and barren. And eventually, you see, you turn back. We do well to make this prayer, the prayer of our hearts, revive us again. Lord, I don't want to turn back. It's a time of spiritual coldness right across the land. Thus is a time... That we need revival. When the vision of Christ has grown uh, dim. It's a sure sign that revival is needed. When the soul fails to see Jesus. You know there's some Christians. 
They, they don't believe they, they need to go to hear the gospel preached. That's just for unconverted people. It's not for them. You don't believe there's anything more they need to learn or anything more they need to see. One of the great scholars of the age was Dean Bergen. Uh, a young minister went to him and he said he studied the Greek, he studied the Hebrew. And now what else was he going to study? And Dean Bergen said to him, go back to the Gospels and start all over again. See Jesus all over again. We need to never lose sight of Jesus. We think of that church of the Laodiceans in Revelation chapter 3. And they go through all the motions of worship. And they have all the means of grace at their disposal. But they're just lukewarm. Lukewarm. Sometimes people like lukewarm drinks. I personally like a thing cold or hot. If you give me tea, give it to me hot. If you give me coffee, give it to me hot. Don't give it to me lukewarm. And there are people today, they're just like that. They're lukewarm. But they don't admit it. That's why we need revival again. There was never an age in my Christian experience where the candle burned so lowly. We need revival again. Secondly, let's just drill down into this a little bit. Let's try to answer the question, well, who needs this revival? When we need it, yes, who needs it? Let, let me make it very clear, ministers need it. Ministers need reviving. Evangelists, elders, deacons need reviving. We often pray, Lord, revive us again. And we think we're talking about the community, the community that's dead in sin and trespasses. But they're dead, they've never known life. When we pray, revive us again. I'm talking about the ones that are inside this building. I'm talking about the believers. I'm talking about the minister of the congregation, the session, the deacons of the congregation, the Sunday school teachers, the children's workers, the youth workers, the collective professing body of Christ. It's us. We're the ones that need revived. Revive us again. I, I think week by week of the office of the ministry. And this is what Paul said about it. I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Paul could only deliver what he had received. And what did he receive? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Every minister of the gospel, not just an analog, but every minister of the gospel needs your prayers that God will fill them and God will speak to them and that they will receive that message of Christ crucified and risen again and they'll be, they will be enabled to deliver it to their congregation. Lord, send the message that I might deliver it. I need revival. Paul, he could write to the Christians at Rome and he said, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. You know, I'll not be, a, 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 I'll not be annoyed if somebody prays in the prayer meeting, Lord, revive the minister. Because this minister knows he needs revived. 
Well, if you're praying, revive the minister, you better continue. Revive the session. Revive the deacons. Revive the Sunday school teachers. Revive the members. Lord, revive on a long church. Every believer in it. Spiritual vitality for church members. It's only maintained by our union and our communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is not natural to the fallen man. The old man is always fainting and dying. And there's only one way, way to avoid fainting on the pathway to glory. And that's to be renewed day by day in the inner man. We each, each one will faint. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Day by day we need to be renewed. Day by day we need the divine infilling of the Spirit of God. One of our articles of faith teaches us that we believe in the indwelling of the Spirit of God in the believer and we believe in the infilling of the indwelt believer for power and for victory and for service. That's what we need. Dying with Jesus by death reckoned mine. Living with Jesus a new life divine. Looking to Jesus till glory does shine moment by moment. Lord I am thine. When Reverend Nicholson was preaching in Carrick Fergus in one of the big Presbyterian churches in the 1920, they had revival. The move of the Spirit of God was, was never experienced in Carrick Fergus as from 1859. You can read about it in Miss Skimmon's history of Carrick Fergus. And one of those old saints who were actually in those meetings as a young man at that time told me when he was in Carrick Fergus Nicholson got up in the pulpit and the whole Presbyterian church was packed full to capacity and he said something to this manner he said there'll never be a conversion in this meeting until there's a death in the months oh, he wasn't wishing the minister dead he wasn't wishing ill upon him but he was portraying a biblical truth that we need to die to sin to live to Christ. We need to die to self in order to be blessed in our service. And what was true for the months all those years ago is true for the pews just as much today. Congregations collectively stand in need of revival. If the congregation is revived, then the community will be revived. The great revival meetings, we often forget this in Ireland and throughout England, Scotland and Wales in 1858, 1859, 1860. They weren't evangelistic meetings. You see, that's our problem. We think revival meetings are evangelistic meetings. All of those great meetings before were prayer meetings. They were prayer meetings. When Spurgeon came over to Belfast and held that great meeting uh, of botanic gardens, it was a prayer meeting. God was moving, God was working, God was striving. Those first stirrings of revival in Ulster originated in Connor and Kells in County Antrim. The local minister in the Presbyterian church at that time was a man by the name of the Reverend T.H. Moore. And he often preached on revival 
And not only did he often preach on revival, but he read accounts of revival to his congregation. And so when the reports of the revival in New York and America arrived from New England, uh, 1859-1857, it began to grip the hearts of the believers. If they can have revival in New England, we can have revival in Kells and Connor. Is God limited? No, he's not limited. And so... Uh, in 1857, the Sunday school teachers began to hold a weekly prayer meeting. And there was an intense desire to see the boys and girls saved and, and won to the Lord Jesus Christ. At the same time, the story is told of four young men, and you can read about their history, it's well documented. Uh, McQuilkin, Manili, Wallace and Carlisle. And they began to meet for prayer in the schoolhouse at Kells and Connor and others joined them over the winter months. There were four of them. Each one of them had to bring their own piece of turf to put in the fire. And they joined to pray and to seek the face of God. And as they prayed one by one, God added to their number and souls were saved. And those prayer meetings multiplied. So much so in 1859 at the peak of the revival, the, the district of the parish of Connor, just a, a rural part of, of uh, County Antrim, wasn't a big pop, centre of population as it would have been even today, but there were over 100 prayer meetings in it. And it was from that centre at Connor that that revival fire spread throughout Northern Ireland and throughout Ireland and went over to England and Scotland and in Wales. We read of those accounts of revival and we realize how much we need the Lord to revive our own prayer meetings. I want to speak to the people of God in 2024, whatever resolution you make, the greatest resolution you can make for the good of your own soul and for the collective good of the the church of Jesus Christ is to say, I'm going to be in the prayer meeting. If you can't get to the midweek meeting, come to the prayer meeting before the services. The door's always open. Be in the place of prayer. And pray that prayer throughout this year. Revive us again. And we'll know when that Revival is on the way. We'll see the buds of it in the prayer meetings. Who can send revival? Thirdly, the psalmist was very clear. <clears throat> he said, wilt not thou? Wilt not thou? Sometimes we see advertised a, a week of meetings, a week of revival meetings, and some guest evangelist or, or preacher is asked to come and speak at those meetings as if that preacher can bring a revival with him. The psalmist was in no doubt that it was only a sovereign, omnipotent, almighty, reigning God could send revival. This isn't the work of man. True, heaven-sent revival cannot be orchestrated or organized by man. It cannot be worked up. It can only be prayed down. The Lord has all the means in his hand to do it. We, we think today we have to have new ways of doing the work of God. Brethren and sisters, the new ways are to have destroyed the old paths. God has all the means at his disposal now. 
to send revival. We don't need any fancy preacher. We don't need any new means. God has all of the means and all of the vessels and all of the, the vehicles at his disposal here and now to send revival. And proud men don't like to be reminded of that fact. They, they believe that by their motivation, by their organization, they can stir. You know, yes, I believe in planning and I believe in motivating people and all of those things, but I also know that those things in and of themselves are not revival. Only God can bestow that gift upon the church. Edwin Orr, that great revivalist hymnist, he said, Oh, Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival. And Lord, if you can't start the work in the community, if you can't start the work in the nation, if you can't start the work in the church, Lord, start the work in me. In me. Not be a good prayer for us all to pray today. Start the work in me. We do well to remember that the risen ascended Lord has all the fullness of the Spirit given to him. Jesus spoke much about the work of the Holy Spirit in his earthly ministry in John 5.21. He said, As the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. The Son will quicken whom he will. John 6.63, It's the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. And what our land needs most today is that quickening of God the Holy Spirit and the spiritual decline will not be arrested until we know that quickening again. The quickening, the renewing of the Spirit of God. And to this end I believe the Lord's people ought to be pleading with God. If only God can revive us, then ought we not to be interceding, ought not we to be praying, ought not we to be crying unto him for his divine intervention. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17 and 18, we read, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Isaiah 44 verse 1 to verse 3, precious verses. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Are you thirsty for reviving? Do you acknowledge that you personally need revival? That's a thirst. That's a thirst from God. Well, the Bible assures us, I will pour my spirit upon him and upon his seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Children and children's children. You know the blessing of the 1859 revival is still reverberating around Ulster in this world today. May the Lord not only bless us, but bless our children and our children's children in reviving power. Let's think for a moment or two about what are the consequences then of revival. 
I love how this verse speaks that thy people then may rejoice in thee. We don't want to lose our joy. You know, it's not a sin to be joyful. We don't want to lose our joy, but in the Lord. That's the key. Rejoicing in thee. I, I, I'm always glad as a Calvinist that you cannot lose your salvation. If you could lose your salvation, I would have lost it a long time ago because I seem to lose so many things even in one week. But I'm glad God's keeping it. And thus I can't lose it. You can't lose your salvation. What a joy it is to say that. But you can't lose the joy of it. And to lose the joy of salvation is to no longer find your all in all in Christ. It has to be in other things. Sometimes we often sing that hymn in the free church now. None but Christ can satisfy none other name for me. There's love, there's life, there's lasting joy, Lord Jesus found in thee. But when you lose him, you lose that joy. Personal revival will restore the joy of salvation. And if you're saving salvation it's still with you today, but you've lost the joy of it. Then you're the one who needs this personal reviving. Hosea spoke of that return to the Lord. You can look at those verses, please. Hosea chapter 14. This is how you come back to the Lord. God's calling us collectively to come back to him. Hosea 14 and 1, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words, and turn to the Lord, and say unto him, Take away all iniquity, and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. What does God promise? I'll heal their backsliding. I'll love them freely, for mine anger is turned away. From him. Oh, when children come back to their father and they, they seek his favor and his grace and restoration with him, then he loves them freely again and their communion with him is restored. When joy is restored, the consequences start to flow then. Not only are Christians satisfied in Christ, joy in Christ, find joy in the old means of grace. I think this means... Uh, our, our joy in the Lord means that we don't need to have newfangled things to enjoy the things of God. We enjoy the old things. We enjoy the old hymns. We enjoy the reading of the scriptures. We enjoy the preaching of the word. We enjoy the fellowship with other Christians and the fellowship with other believers. That's just joy in the Lord. I don't need all the other additives to have joy. I already have the things that I should have joy in. But when God revives me, then he causes me to rejoice in those old things once again. But then sinners shall be converted unto thee. Because the cleansed and the renewed church is made a vessel meet and fit for God to use. Remember David, that great penitential psalm, Psalm 51. <clears throat> he committed adultery. His land was suffering as a result. His family would never be the same as a result. But he prayed in Psalm 51, 12, 13, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way and sinners 
shall be converted unto thee. Restore me the joy. Revive me again. Restore me the joy. Show us thy mercy, O Lord. Grant us thy salvation. Sinners will be converted unto thee. And most importantly, and far above everything else, God is glorified. Read those closing verses in the psalm. God is glorified in revival. Mercy and truth, verse 10, are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth. Righteousness shall look down from heaven. This is reviving, isn't it? Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. This is Christ's psalm. This is Christ being exalted. His name magnified, his word glorified, his spirit uh, at work, his son uplifted, his day honored. We need to encourage ourselves, I think, at the start of this new year in spiritual uh, times, needy times. God is still God. The God of 1859, the God of 1920, when Nicholson uh, preached across this land of ours, the God who moved in those great campaigns that Dr. Paisley had in the 1960s and 70s, he's still God. Let's lift our heart to him continually and collectively. Take this little text, Psalm 85 and verse 6, and make it the very prayer of our souls for this new year. Revive us again. May we be spurred to see it, to experience it, and to enjoy it.